It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn it on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. I want to remind people, there is no award for coming to the conclusion fastest on a quarterback in your football city. Nobody remembers, and frankly, nobody cares. And Dan Weeder. Particularly in this town, we start to get the extremes trying to outshout each other, right? Those who think that he's a bust are trying to outshout those who think that he's going to be an absolute seven-time All-Pro. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast here on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. I'm David Haw from 670 The Score and the Mullen Haw Show. Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune out at Hallis Hall. We're looking ahead to Bears-Jets on Sunday on the road for the Bears. Three and eight, but the big story of this week, obviously, the Justin Fields injury, the aftermath, and how it will be handled Sunday at kickoff and how it has been handled up to this point. How's it going, Dan? You've been out there all week as we re- record this on Wednesday we're dropping this because of the holiday Friday morning. So how would you describe the way the Bears handled what is the story of the week? There's a lot to sift through here, David. I think one of the most notable things is we spent really three days trying to track down the specifics of Justin Fields' exact injury. And it was as simple as asking Justin Fields, hey, what's your injury? And he uh, willfully said at the podium on Wednesday afternoon that uh, he had a, a partial separation of his left shoulder with some uh, a torn ligament. Uh, it, it's something that's affecting his AC joint in his left shoulder. Uh, and that's where we go. He's uh, experiencing a lot of pain and, and was very forward on Wednesday and saying that if the, the Bears had to play the Jets on Wednesday, he would not have played, but also indicating that the game is until Sunday. And so that things can be uh, fluid and evolve. And he wants to see where the strength and the pain goes and then they can decide as the week goes on. But as you know, it's a, it's a complicated decision that probably shouldn't be all that complicated. We're going to dig into that and some other things. We wanted to do a couple housekeeping matters here. We will drop this, as we said, Friday morning. You can download, listen, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Sunday night, we will be back here after Bears and Jess to react to that instantly. So you want to be ready for that. Um, we're going to get into some of the nuts and bolts about what else happened today. So let's do that and begin it on our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. Okay, so Dan, the way that Justin Fields handled the situation, I think was very telling and interesting to me. Uh, I believe that as we sit here, it's very difficult to predict, and yet it's not that complicated to me, as you point <laughs> out. I think it's an easy decision. I don't see any way that Justin Fields, after revealing 
his injury uh, as what it was can play against the Jets, not against a defense that um, is ha- 17 sacks, I think, in his last three games out, not against uh, a challenge that great. But I think just the fact that it could be worse, I understand he's a tough guy, but I think this is where the team must intervene and save the athlete from himself. I don't know what can be gained from him having uh, this, putting himself in harm's way. This, I, I like his attitude, but I don't think it's it's wise. We tried to press Matt Eberflus at the end of his session. Uh, this was well before practice and well before Justin spoke on, on who's going to have the final say in this matter because it's sort of an interesting call here on whether the coaching staff is going to be able to uh, offer the red light or the green light or whether they're going to need guidance from above, from the front office. And I, I would tend to think that, that Ryan Poles, uh, if he does not, agree with the direction things are headed would be very wise to jump in here and say, let's hold up, right? Like we have to keep a uh, entire franchise's bigger picture view in mind. And is the juice worth the squeeze here? I don't think anyone uh, in a logical frame of mind would say that there's a ton to gain for the bears in playing Justin Fields in this late November game in 2022, as much as there is to risk in case he gets hurt, David, even if he got hurt with something separate, right? Like say he injures a calf or something against the jets, people would point back to this and say, well, he wasn't 100% and he was vulnerable and he was compromised and did that shoulder pain lead to him playing with limitations that then left him susceptible to being injured in other ways. And so I just, I I think if you're looking at this through clear eyes and with a a vision that goes beyond trying to beat the Jets and then to four game losing streak, you say, take the break, get the rest, get the recovery, get the strength back in that thing. And let's see what you got to finish the season strong. There's a lot of context to consider because the player was so unusually forthcoming about his condition. And I think that's why when you factor some of these things in, it's worth considering his state of mind, his willingness to share. And I think it's best for people at this point, so for just a couple of minutes, listen to a compilation of what Justin Fields had to say when asked about his injury Wednesday at Hallis Hall. What's your understanding of what the injury is for you right now? Yeah, so it's just a separated shoulder with, you know, partially torn ligaments, basically like an AC joint. So, yeah, that's my understanding of it. What is the biggest limitation you have right now when, in terms of movement and mobility? Yeah, it's just some movements that I do with my arm. You know, it hurts it a good bit. So, like I said, just trying to, you know, work through those motions and kind of get my arm used to moving and those particular motions that, you know, hurt it. So it's used to, you know, moving that way and it gets the muscles stronger. I just feel like if I can play and, you know, that I'm not, you know, furthering the risk of injury and I can do what I need to do to be able to protect myself, I think, you know, that'll be good enough for me to play. It just depends, you know, like, I don't know what hits I'm going to take on Sunday. So, you know, if, you know, if my shoulder can withhold those hits and stuff like that. So, I mean, you really can't predict if it can get worse or not just based on, you know, of what's going to happen. All right, Dan, in those answers, and I think his state of mind, I, I had a lot of thoughts there. Number one, I think that this ends up being, in, in an odd sort of way, a very positive week for Justin Fields. And this is aside from the wins. And I think everybody understands what's going on here with the Bears record-wise. Yeah. But I think that when you're evaluating – and you're a quarterback, a young leader, a, especially a franchise quarterback, you're evaluating so many things that have to do with life off the field, in the locker room, and how his state of mind, his character, if you will, leadership. This has been a great week for Justin Fields in terms of leadership. Number one, we got the anecdote that he also addressed during the <laughs> Wednesday presser about him apologizing to the team before Eddie Jackson cut him off after the Falcons game and says, don't worry about it. That showed, I think, you know, pretty good accountability. And number two, 
offering what was wrong with him, wanting to play and not being shy about uh, be kind of taking ownership of his own career and health and well-being because we have seen so many examples in the NFL where that doesn't happen. This may be an elaborate uh, game gamesmanship by the Bears in theory, but I think Justin Fields, in being so transparent and forthcoming, I think put his best foot forward. So I think this has been a very good week for Justin Fields' leader not necessarily yeah. the field's quarterback. Well, these are four words I wrote down. Toughness, leadership, resilience, drive. I don't have a single question about any of those things with Justin Fields, and I don't think you do either. I mean, these are boxes that have been checked, and when you're trying to identify a long-term franchise quarterback, those are really nice pluses to have, right? And and now you've got to supplement it week in, week out with, with productive play, and that's come here over the last plus month. Justin's uh, – competitive desire, right? His want to be on the field is notable and it goes back his entire life. And really it was evident in college. And we've seen it these last two seasons as well, in terms of how tough he is physically, how tough he is mentally, and just the want to, right? Like there's a want to there that's obvious and it's undeniable. And so, so you wrap your arms around that and say, my God, thank God we have this. You don't have to look any further, David, than the opponent for this weekend to see what happens when a starting quarterback is five and two, as a starter this season, but has suddenly lost confidence of the people that are in his building with him. Robert Sala decides to replace Zach Wilson this week with, with Mike Wilson, or I'm sorry, with Mike White. And, and, and you have a, a situation here where it's like, wow, thank God you're not the jets, right? What, what, a, what a conundrum to be in there to have a guy that you drafted number two overall uh, in a predicament like he's in now in a spotlight. And, and, and it's, it's something that isn't going to be easy to climb out of to Justin's credit with the focus on the bears. You've got, uh, you've got an example here of a guy that, that, that people love playing with that people love playing for and that people rally around. And that's been evident. It's an unavoidable contrast, right? You see it's right in front of you. The Jets are making a, a quarterback change in part because Zach Wilson says something that he can't take back. You can't unring that bell when he was asked if he feels like he let the defense down, and he said no. You can't say that in New York. You can't say that in Charlotte. But right. in, in Charlotte, it's not going to resonate as loudly as it does in New York City. So – I get why they are replacing Zach Wilson, and I do think that it underscores just how much the Bears have in terms of the intangibles in Justin Fields. And I don't care what they were saying about them coming out of the draft. What we have seen as young professionals that Justin Fields is ready, willing, and able to take over that kind of leadership and responsibility, whereas Zach Wilson clearly, if he were ready, they would keep a quarterback who's 5-2 and two, at the helm if he were the guy ready to steer the ship, but he's shaky. So I don't think that you can do anything but compare those guys and 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 kind of relish in the regret that the Jets must must have seeing Justin Fields and the Bear do what he has done for the Bears while you know he went what nine picks after Zach Wilson in the same draft. So yeah. that's an interesting contrast. Okay, so talk talk me out of this one, Dan. And, and yeah. we'll talk through it. So I I definitely think that it's in Justin Fields' best interest not to play, even though he'll probably will push. Wait, he'll push and he'll want to do that. But every game is its own season. And I don't think that sitting against the Jets means necessarily he has to sit against the Packers. Let's wait and see. But time is an ally here. And how he feels, you know, four days or two days before kickoff against the Jets may be entirely different how he feels next week on Tuesday, next week on Wednesday. So I do think that you don't have to make a decision before you have to make it. The only one you have to worry about right now is the Jets. 
And that's probably as far as you want to look for the Bears. Right. And 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 that's where I think that just like the, the big picture practicality needs to win out here, right? If this team was seven and four and they needed a, this victory to, to make a run at winning the division title or to or to you know increase their playoff seating, you say, Yeah, let's 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 find every possible way to get treatment on that shoulder, to get medical uh, staff uh, advisement and, and do everything you can to try to play on Sunday. In this case, you're three and eight, right? And it's okay to acknowledge that, right? Like they've acknowledged from the start of this year that it's going to be a rebuilding year and their moves with the roster have told you that. And so, so why contradict that by forcing your quarterback injured back onto the field for a game that in the big picture of, of, of all of this means almost nothing, right? I know it would be valuable experience. It would be a good uh, test to take, but it doesn't need to be taken this weekend. And so, yeah, I think we're on the same page with with kind of the, the hope that, that that practicality plays out. Who knows? Justin may play. He may gut this out, go out there and play and, and survive and, and we'll, we'll have a game on Sunday that we can ana- analyze and and figure out what it means. I just, I just don't know what's in it and and you would think that for the bears you would be cognizant of that and you would want your backup quarterback trevor simeon to get some reps right and 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 to to, to go down that route um yeah I, I i just don't know how much more there is to say about it at the same time it's just like justin saying like you know coaches put it in my hands and and i'm i'm gonna you know let them know whether i should play or not and matt eberflew saying we want to win this game and you're like okay i get it matt but like come on like is that well, just you saying that on the podium or do you really feel that way yeah and, and i do think this day I, I only cringed once when he was talking and that was what i consider to be sort of a flawed premise that the injury can't get worse I think injuries can always get worse, sure. and especially against a pass rush as fierce as the Jets is. And with the quarterback whose instinct is to tuck and run as often as it is Justin Fields to tuck and run. And I think we saw that on second down in that final series. What happened? There was a breakdown of communication. What happened? It was a botched play. What did he do? Instead of trying to force the handoff to David Montgomery and let him take the hits and the load and the brunt of the punishment, he tucked it and ran down the hole through the hole himself first after getting injured. So I don't know if Justin Fields, as gifted as he is, as special as he as he is, understands yet quite how to protect himself. And I do worry that even though he says he can't get any worse, and the doctors may reinforce that. It always can get worse. No doubt. Uh, there's no question. And you're always at risk of, of aggravating an injury or, again, like I said, suffering something else that then people will tie back to this, whether it's tied back to this or not. Um, look, I, I, I get the guy's DNA. And I love the guy's DNA because that's what a, a franchise quarterback should have. It should be that push on an everyday basis to say, I'm going to be there with my guys and I'm going to do everything I can to play. But people around him have to be smarter, right? They have to be wiser. They have to get there. It was notable. I, I did ask Justin, I said, what's the worst pain in your life that you've ever played through? He said in the national championship game when Ohio State played Alabama and he had cracked ribs and a partially torn hip muscle. And that was the you know the last game of the year. He said, I, I would have had to die to miss that game. And, and, and then I reminded him, right, like three and eight Bears versus the Jets at MetLife, uh, you know, in, in week 12 of, of 2022 isn't exactly for a, a ring. And so, so like, you know, it's a different set of stakes. It's a different magnitude of, of, of a moment here. And so it's okay uh, to kind of 
dial down that self-driven pressure or that self-driven motivation and and just say, all right, let's let's just take a week and, and understand that to your point, the Packers are coming to town a week beyond this. That's a nice big stage game, right? Like let's be ready for that and 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 try to put the focus there. But look, they'll sort through it as the week goes and and hopefully before uh before Sunday morning we'll have a much clearer indication on where they're leaning. Just a couple more things on this because I find it kind of interesting. I, I liked your line of questioning and I thought that he was very open to it and you also were there with Matt Eberflus when he talked about it I just wonder I, I don't want to take for granted certain things that when you're not in the room and I've been in that room so I know there can be a, a difference in tone and feel and context how would you describe was there a defensiveness on either side was there I, I feel like there was an openness from Justin <laughs> Fields that I didn't expect we don't often see but I don't know how to describe the coach's perspective, the, the, the building's, you know, state of mind here and the bears, uh, because I do think they're very different entities, very different mindsets and how to deal with injuries. And we're starting to see more players take ownership of their own, um, information, uh, so, uh, dissemination, if you will, if you will see, that's important. Right. And we could, we could have a, a 50 minute podcast just on this topic, because I said to Caitlin Sharkey at WGN this afternoon, that it's always in the player's best interest for the injury information to be out there. Always hundred percent. It may not be in the team's best interest, but it's always in the player's best interest because the outside world deserves to know what they're dealing with. And I, I always cite Kyle long in this situation because we watched him in Tampa. I think you were there for that game when he left on a cart and suffered just a, an awful ankle injury, right? His ankle was shredded. There was so much wrong in that ankle and, and the things that Kyle had to go through to get surgery and rehab and regroup that the outside world didn't know because the Bears for so long under John Fox's uh, you know, principles didn't want that information out there. Right. And so then Kyle got got blasted by segments of the fan base that thought he was not tough enough and that he was, you know, too slow in coming back and wasn't able to clear hurdles and, you know, came into training camp with 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 limitations and wasn't able to practice right away. And you, you get this reputation that you didn't deserve even when you're gutting out and trying to get back as quick as possible from a very, very serious injury. So that's one case where you say, man, right, right. Like the player didn't benefit from the team doing that to him, even though they thought they were kind of gaining something somewhere along the line. Um, I'll let you respond to that. And then I got another thought. Well, I think, I think we've always got to keep that in mind. And we're all sort of influenced by experiences that we've either covered or been through. You mentioned Kyle Long. I go back even earlier. I'm not going to identify the player because I, I vowed at the time I wouldn't, but there was a disparity my first year, second year on the beat out at house hall and the player was claiming that he was injured and couldn't play. The team insisted that he wasn't injured. Look at the x-rays. I wrote it and kind of criticized um, the team for what I was, you know, basically trying to push the player kind of a, not a similar situation, but we've all been in those, those kind of stories. Sure. I, I was invited into the, the inner sanctum at house hall by the medical team at the time. They, I got shown an x-ray to basically support their, their premise and, and I guess I only share that story as, as a point of f to the beginning of time in the NFL world, th th there's the team and there's the player and they don't always, because they represent the same, right. the same sidelines represent the same interests. And I think that's worth remembering. And I always think about that when we see examples like this one, where the team is saying, well, you know what? He might play. He could play. If he's, if he's going to play, if he's hundred percent, he's going to play. And Justin Fields, well, you know what? I've got a I've got a separated shoulder and it's an AC joint and he's very specific. Thank you, Dr. Fields. I'd love it. We'd love it. But I do think it's worth noting that it's very different in the approach because 
there are different interests being served. Yeah. Uh, and, and listen, like Justin surprised me and it was refreshing when he was so open. We, we've seen him at Wednesday press conferences, not give us anything. And today he gave us everything. Every question that was asked, he gave a, a, an honest, uh, direct answer to with some thought and some introspection to it. And so that was great. He climbs up my Jeff Dickerson, good guy award rankings, right? Like <laughs> we got to give that out next month. Justin did his, his stock went on the rise with that today. Matt Eberflus was intentionally evasive as he, as he usually is, particularly with injuries. Um, and and he believes that the, there is something to be gained in, as far as having a competitive advantage by withholding as much of that as he possibly can. We talked about it on the, the podcast earlier in the week that we don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I did think it was interesting that when when Matt was kind of asked, hey, what if what if your desires for what you want to do with uh, Justin conflict with what Ryan Poles wants to do? And and he said, well, then there's a pretty big argument then. And, and he was just joking. But but it was to the point of like, look, there are difficult decisions that are, are, are needed to be made in a building at times and that, that leads to discussions where everybody's got to find their way to the same page eventually. Um, and so it's going to be kind of a fascinating experience, I guess, for the people involved this week to go through it with a high-profile decision that, that you know, obviously uh, is going to be something that they will remember for a while and, and, and try to figure out where everyone's coming from. Well, this is what I want your perspective on. So I, I, I and I don't want to magnify this any more than it, than it needs to be, but I, I am following a trend here. Matt Eberflus is pretty open about the Jalen Johnson situation. When if he's on the field, the expectations don't change. And then Jalen Johnson kind of revealed later uh, a couple of days during the week after uh, the Lions game. Well, you know what? I was affected and it probably did impair my ability to cover Tom Kennedy or whoever else uh, on that Sunday. You have a coaching staff that is like, if you're on the field, you're on the field, and that's the expectation levels that you're going to play. It's different when you have a quarterback, and I think that this also makes me wonder about where is that conversation headed and how will it go, and what role will the player's voice have? How far will that carry? You have Justin Fields' interest being represented. You have the Bears' long-term interest that you can't ignore, and you have Matt Eberflus, the coach, instinctively chiming in about Sunday needing to win that game. It gets very complicated and noisy, and I just wonder, does Matt Eberflus have to be sensitive or aware of not being the guy perceived to be pushing his players beyond reasonable limits. Uh, right. Like, I, I think what you're getting at is, is everything that Matt said in his 15-minute session with the media genuine or some of it, you know, contrived for for gamesmanship purposes that then create a perception of who you actually are as a coach which is different than what you are actually doing behind the scenes and it becomes a complicated dance that you have to dance and first-time head coaches sometimes have difficulty dancing that dance some of them get over it and, and figure it out as they go. Others never get it right. And, and don't ever figure out how to do that. Um, it's an interesting topic of conversation. And it is something that, that, you know, it's, it's part of what we're learning about Matt Eberflus. I, you know, I left uh, Mercedes-Benz stadium in Atlanta on Sunday saying, you know, like if you take out, the development that Justin Fields has made over the past month, which is what, what has created a, um, major, major surge of hope in Chicago. What else do we really know about this team, right? Like, do we know if the head coach can coach? Do we know if the general manager can actually build a roster? We know he can tear it down, but we know, do we know if he can build it back up? What do we know about this defense and this defensive coordinator? What do we know about the supporting cast around Justin? What do we know about the defense? And it's like, man, when you ask those questions, you're like, golly, you know, like we have a ton to learn about this football team before we consider anything about uh, a potential 
incredible climb and rise to, to relevance and, and championship contention again, because there are just so many unanswered questions. And one of those questions is just who is this head coach? What's in his DNA and how does he get results? And some of that is stuff that, that we won't know, right? Like we're going to have to learn it as we go. And, and we're in the process of going. Okay. Before we close the book on this segment and look ahead to other things and make our predictions, gut feeling Justin Fields against the Jets. Does he play or not? I'll start. I just don't think that he will. I don't think he should. And I think that it's in his best interest and the Bears' best interest just to take a week. Not saying shut him down. I'm not saying, you know, this means one game is is a three-week vacation. I think that you make a week-by-week -week basis. And this week, the decision should be no. He should not play. Trevor Simeon starts and Nathan Peterman backs him up. You know, just to to reiterate, we're recording this on, on Wednesday evening. And when I woke up Wednesday morning, my, my thought process of that question was he won't play and he shouldn't play. Well, here we are. I'm still sitting inside these walls on Wednesday evening and a lot more will happen on Thursday that will give more clarity to the situation. And I say he shouldn't play. And I don't know if he'll play because I've been inside these walls for 10 years and I've seen decisions made that absolutely left me scratching my head. And that's different regimes, different leadership tactics, everything involved. I don't know. I don't know. They right. may, they, they may decide that, okay, we want to see how he plays. Uh, we don't think that he can aggravate the injury worse than it is right now. And so let's get him that experience. And so right now, as I sit here on Wednesday evening, I say, I don't know. And, and, and I, I don't have a strong gut feeling. That's okay. I mean, we don't have to know. We can have opinions. My opinion would be it's in the best interest to sit, even though I'm with you there. We're not anything. We're closer to knowing for sure. So if I'm in charge, I say no. I 100% put up the red light and say let's just let's move on to next week. And Trev, you know, get your playbook out and start studying some film. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next segment with making our predictions. All right, Dan, so I think this is a, a, a complicated game because it's Trevor Simeon versus Mike White. <laughs> and I don't. it could be Justin Fields versus Mike White, but let's say it's a battle of backups, a, a, a showdown between game managers. Um, this will be the um, short passing uh, game to for the ages because I think both teams will probably look pretty similar um, the Jets are a better defensive football team. I think the Bears might still have a hard time stopping the Jets with they have better weapons and, and maybe a better offensive line. So I think it's going to be difficult there. Uh, I am going to go with because the Bears do tend to make one big special teams mistake every week. Yeah. Teams. Uh, I'm going to go Jets 27, Bears 23. 
Wait till I give you some of my numbers at the end of this prediction segment because you just touched on something that I, w- I would like to get to. But uh, I- I've got the Jets 24 and the Bears 20. And this is the first time I've had to pick a game without knowing who the Bears starting quarterback is in a long, long time. Um, look, I think we're leaning towards Trevor Simeon, as we discussed in the previous segment. I don't know what's going to happen. This Jets defense is really good, right? And, and, and the Bears defense is not. Right. And so it just gives you a lean towards, OK, you know, stick with what you know. And right now it seems like the Jets are the better f- football team, even with the uncertainty they have at that quarterback position. Uh, they're going to get a little bit of a breather playing against the Bears defense uh, that we'll get, also get into in a couple minutes. That's going to be missing a couple key starters, potentially uh, other other names on this injury report, David, that we got to keep an eye on as the week progresses. And so we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I got Jets 24, Bears 20. OK, so, Dan, those names and numbers where do you want to start? Let's start with the names because you intrigued me. I saw the big names on the injury report. We don't know exactly where these things are going, but it's not trending well because the Bears without uh, a secondary that is intact is a much different defense. Yeah, so let's talk about a couple things here because you have two rookie defensive backs in Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon who are in the concussion protocol right now. The Brisker one is notable, David, because he was taken off the field twice in Atlanta to be looked at. For concussion and he returned both times and he ended up playing 53 out of 55 defensive snaps and the two that he missed were after plays where he came up uh, looking a little wobbly or, or, or showing some signs of discomfort and he was taken to be evaluated and then Monday rolls around and he winds up in the concussion protocol and so we talked earlier this season when the Dolphins were coming to town and my colleague Colleen Kane did a really good uh, deep look at everything that was going on around the league with the heightened scrutiny on concussion related procedures and, and the need for, for players to be on and the system to be a little bit more uh, airtight and still you get a situation like this where a player gets hurt twice once within each half he, he hit Marcus Mariota in the first half and actually slammed his head into the back of tight end Michael Pruitt and was down for a little bit and that was the first instant he came out the second one was helping on a routine tackle in the second half on Cordero Patterson and he and he hit the ground and there was nothing notable about it other than that that he instantly grabbed for his helmet and looked shaken up on the play right I couldn't tell if his head hit the turf or not regardless he was able to come back in the game and finish the game in the fourth quarter and it just it, it just reminds you of what this sport is and, and how driven guys are to get back on the field and how it's possible to have a brain injury go un detected and undiagnosed and be back out on the field. Kyler Gordon was hurt one play after the second time Brisker got hurt, making a uh, uh, trying to make a, a, a tackle on Mariota at the goal line. Mariota scored on a 10-yard touchdown run. Gordon slammed right into him at the goal line and didn't come back in the game after that. He was clearly shaken up after that. And so you've got two different instances here of, of things going very differently, but now you've got your two top draft picks from the 2022 class and concussion protocol. One last footnote on this. We did see Jaquan Brisker walking through the locker room today, which is a good sign. It means obviously he's, he's in the building and he's, he's well enough to be here. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where this goes as the week goes on. So possible replacements, I imagine DeAndre Houston Carson would be for Jaquan Brisker. Uh, yeah. As far as uh, Kyler Gordon, he's a versatile guy. Is somebody like Justin Lane in play there? With I know, it, it, yeah, it'd be, it'd be Vildor as your outside and Jalen Jones as your nickel. Jalen Jones, uh, is if that happens, guy. yeah. He so, was injured too. Jalen Jones, he's he's coming back from something, right? He'll, yeah, he'll be okay. okay. Um, the other notable injury report note is that Tevin Jenkins was a full participant in practice. So uh, you know, there you have that after after what we've gone through the last two weeks and questioning where Tevin's at with his hip injury and where he's at with uh, his mentality in wanting to be on the field. And, and I think, David, one of the notable things from the Matt Eberbooth's 
press conference on Wednesday was him essentially saying that they were more content having an injured Tevin Jenkins who said he couldn't even play in a rotation active for the game than Alex Leatherwood. That would right? was well for Alex Leatherwood. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. And it tells you where where they're at with Alex Leatherwood. It bears obviously made a, a, a waiver claim on him uh, before the regular season began and, and, and picked up a, a pretty – hefty chunk of salary uh, to kick the tires on that. And it's clearly not trending in the right direction. If you can't uh, even get a game day Jersey as a backup, when the guy in front of you says, I, I don't really think I can play today. <laughs> so Sunday, despite Justin Fields's ascension in recent weeks, if he doesn't play, it will not be a commercial for the 2021 first 17 picks of the NFL draft, because you will have Zach Wilson, Alex Leatherwood and Justin Fields contributing nothing to the respective teams. Yeah, obviously all in different phases yeah. of, of their contributions. I, to their out of context. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's what we do. We, what we, do. We, we said on our opening pilot episode that we were going to be unfair and out of context as much as possible. I'm connecting some dots that might not need to be connected, but that's kind of fun. Okay, so what big number do you have? I got a bunch of them, and uh, some of them are similar. The first one is four, and I'm going to give you four names, and then you're going to unlock the puzzle here. The names are Parsons, Van Ginkle, Okuda, and Patterson. Hmm. Those are defensive names. Patterson. Hmm, Maybe not. Okay, I I, I give. I'm not sure. All right. Those four players have each scored on a return touchdown in each of the last four games against the Bears. Four consecutive games that the Bears have allowed a return touchdown. It starts with Micah Parsons with the fumble return in Dallas. Van Ginkle returns a blocked punt when the Dolphins were in town. Okuda, we know the high-profile pick six off of Justin Fields in the loss to the Lions. And then Cordero Patterson sets an NFL record with his ninth kickoff return touchdown in his career. That's four straight weeks that you're giving uh, an opponent free points with uh, return touchdowns. That's got to stop. But that's uh, a certainly a notable number. You can't be a team with a margin for error as thin as the Bears and have explosive plays like that that are tied to mental breakdowns. And I think every physical mistake can be pointed possibly having a mental breakdown. And those are some mental breakdowns. There's no question, right? And you've got you've got to get your arms around those and make sure those don't happen. My second number is also four. All right, you're going to see a trend here as we go through this. This is the fourth consecutive season that the Bears have had a losing streak of at least four games. All right, we had four losses in a row in 2019. They went 46 days between victories that year. 2020, six losses in a row. We all remember the infamous six-game losing streak in which the leadership has never been better inside these walls here in Lake Forest. That one was a 56-day stretch between victories in that regard. 2021, five losses in a row, 46 days between victories. We're at four losses and counting right now, and when the Bears take the field on Sunday, they will be 35 days removed from the or 34 I'm sorry 34 days removed from their most recent victory which was that Monday night thriller in New England there's got to be a better way to build character <laughs> there has to be. There has to be. And right. And then Matt Eberflew said earlier this week that to keep morale up, you're relying on the men in the locker room and you're relying on their character, as you mentioned. And so uh, you're lucky when you can have a streak like this and it not bubble up into dysfunction. But to your point. You don't want to test that character as often as the Bears seem to do on an annual basis here. You can learn how to lose just as easily as you learn how to win, and the Bears are inventing ways, as you just described. Those those return touchdowns are just uh, it, it, the exhibit A, is how you learn how to lose and develop bad habits. No question about it. Two last numbers for you. Five, that is the Bears' current rank on third down. The Bears have, have gotten to 45.6% 
in terms of converting third downs this this year. Not that long ago, they were 28th in the league, David, and they've made this rapid ascent to fifth in the NFL in third down percentage. You know as well as I do that third down in the red zone is where uh, offenses make their money and where, where they show who they are. The Bears are moving in the right direction in that regard. Just for some context on this, here are the four teams ahead of the Bears in third down rates this season. The Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Eagles. Pretty good cast of offenses and a, and a nice fraternity to be in. And so that's a, another uh, number that, that that just gives you statistical evidence of how far this offense has come. That's good company to keep. And that's something that I didn't think we would be talking about based on how the season started. And this says that at least there is – you know, a silver lining here to talk about because it not everything is awful. It's just the record. Right. And the, and the bears, the bears have talked all year about, about making sure that they understand what situational football is truly about and how they can most succeed. And they've done that. And they're also in the top 10 in red zone. They're up to ninth in the, in the red zone as well. So last number I've given you four, I've given you four, I've given you five. So now I'll give you four and five, which is the bears record on Thanksgiving week during my time on the beat. That includes a four and one record on Thanksgiving Day itself, which then you can do the math, the algebra that you know that we would make my fourth grade son do and say, oh, they're 0 and four on the Sundays after Thanksgiving during That's my odd. time on the beat. That's right. That means that maybe they should try something other than turkey on Thursdays. Right. Maybe a ham, maybe some yeah. steak. Yeah, or a salad. Maybe they should go, you know, light to I, I don't know what that means, but four <laughs> on the Sunday after Thanksgiving means you with me as a reporter. Well, that's that's the last 10 years. That's a decade's <laughs> worth of evidence. So that's that's a very interesting statistic. OK, those are some good numbers. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball has been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's close things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, Dan, something I wanted to get to. um, Lucas Patrick (laughs) had surgery past (laughs) tense, played 10 snaps at center, brought here to snap the ball to Justin Fields, has to be considered... Nothing more than a colossal disappointment. Am I overstating that? Well, uh, let's start with the revelation on Wednesday afternoon that Lucas <laughs> Patrick's done for the season. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the Bears, the Bears kind of let that one sit there until Brad Biggs asked directly, "What's the latest with Lucas Patrick?" And Matty Bruce said, "Oh yeah, yeah, Lucas is is done for the year," which led to some uh, good-hearted uh, joking around in the press room of, of like, you know, "Oh, we forgot to tell you, Lucas has passed away," and condolences to the Patrick family, oh, and you won't be seeing him again. You know, just we're just kidding around here, David. You gotta, yeah. like, oh, you gotta lighten the mood, but but uh, crazy right like we didn't know and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah by the way he had surgery on his toe and he's not going to play again this year uh it's another example of of just a a a roll of the dice that came up empty right and 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 you got nothing out of it and the bears are are continuing to reshuffle on the offensive line i don't know what that does for you going forward with lucas patrick in 2023 uh he's obviously going to face a rehab and a recovery process that's a little bit a little bit daunting but man just a, a revelation today where you go boy that's uh the back cover on a 2022 that was uh, anything uh, but but productive not to be a downer but when we look at this big picture what it does for me is it creates another level of skepticism when we're talking about 
what to expect from Ryan Poles in free agency. This is not a very good track record. You've got the Larry Ogunjobi miss. You've got the Ryan Bates swing and miss. You've got Byron Pringle. He's got as many penalties as, as I think receptions in the last couple of weeks. And now you've got Lucas Patrick, the guy who was brought here to be the the bridge between the Luke Getze offense and the and the Bears offensive line. And and I just don't know that any of those decisions seemed like sound ones and they were well thought out. It's just product of the of an inexperienced general manager who now we are placing all this faith in because he has all this money to spend and he has all these draft picks to use. But is that it? the good news or the bad news? I think that overall Ryan Poles has had some encouraging signs. He certainly has a draft class. You could point to some good things, but this is not a good development as far as his free agent uh, resume. Yeah, and the headliner of the Bears 2022 free agency class is playing for the Steelers, right? And Larry Ogunjobi, obviously Justin Jones has come in and, and done, uh, you know, some really nice things that make you say, okay, that, that didn't become a total disaster for you. But it, it was not. Look, Ryan Poles knew that his 2022 free agency class was never going to be the defining uh, group <laughs> of his tenure in this job. But you better make improvements, uh, particularly with all the money they have to spend next spring uh, to make people forget, oh, you know, hopefully it's just a, a I'll laugh like, ah, I remember Byron Pringle. He was the guy before we got, you know, the two all pro receivers that, that led us to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which will be higher on Sunday against the Jets? The number of Tre- uh, Trevor Simeon completions or the number of Jack Sanborn tackles? Jack Sanborn tackles because I'm still uncertain if Trevor Simeon's going to play. And so we'll say Jack Sanborn has 11 tackles uh, and Trevor Simeon. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with Jack Sanborn tackles for now. What, what do you got? I think it could be Simeon completions if he plays, <laughs> but I do think that Sanborn has an opportunity to continue this momentum on this late little run he's on. And he's he's been a revelation and he's played himself into contention for you know, a starting job in 2023, which is very interesting. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Um, anything else that we're forgetting football-wise before the Bears-Jets on Sunday? No, we've got three football games on Thursday. I gave you the record on, on Thanksgiving week. This is the first time since 2017 that I'll be able to celebrate a traditional Thanksgiving with my family. The Bears have been involved so often in these Thanksgiving Day games in Detroit, and the one year that they weren't, it was 2020, and you weren't allowed to see family. And so it's going to be good for me on Thursday to experience Thanksgiving the way most of the world does. I'll still have to be up at House Hall uh, earlier in the day for, for practice and a little bit of uh, interviewing. But come afternoon, you know, pour me a bourbon, Get me a seat on the couch and let me go wild with the food. That's awesome. I hope everybody listening has a great Thanksgiving weekend. We appreciate you downloading, listening, and subscribing to the Take North podcast this first season. Uh, talking about the Bears all season long, it's been uh, 11 games, three wins, eight losses, but plenty, plenty to discuss. So you can download on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll be back on uh, Sunday night talking about whatever happens Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We appreciate uh, you listening to us. David, happy Thanksgiving to you. Before we go, I want to know if you have the number one pick in the Thanksgiving dessert draft. Where are you going? Oh, that's uh, that's a very good question. I'm going um, I'm not I kind of vacillate between pumpkin pie depending on the year. So I'm going pecan pie. Oh, okay. All right. Going with the pecan pie. All right. I'll, I number two. I'll take a hot apple pie. It's got to be warmed up. And 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 here's a little trick: uh, cinnamon ice cream. I get it from Graders in Northbrook. Uh, it it will knock your socks off. You can probably put away the, <laughs> uh, the 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 pie. I bet you you're you are like a two plate guy. People don't realize just because you are slender and thin just how much you eat.
So one of the stories I like to tell in 2019, we were in Detroit for Thanksgiving day. And so there Chicago time, it's like 10 in the morning that you're eating Thanksgiving dinner in the press box at Ford field. And I had to have like 18,000 calories before kickoff of that game. And then we ended up covering the game, doing everything. And Rich Campbell and I found a place downtown that was serving Thanksgiving dinner. So we went out for a second Thanksgiving dinner. We had one at 10 in the morning and one at 10 in the night. And so I, I would love to see the calorie count on that one. But it was a, a tremendous – you talk about – that was – like four plates like two in the morning two at night and then i went to bed and and was in a coma until uh basically christmas eve you can get away with that stuff not everybody can get away with having two uh dinners in one day (laughs) thanksgiving or any other day so all right you have a happy thanksgiving as well we'll be back here sunday night thanks for listening to the take the north podcast great talk see you out there